Hello and welcome back to the Bottle Bins podcast. We're continuing our Premier League coverage. We're going to be going through um, the latest game week that has just happened. It happened there during the week uh, rather than the weekend because we had FA Cup. Um, so going to crack on with it just straight away, lads. Um, I'm going to go to probably the biggest shock um, of the game week. Um, it was the first game, Brentford versus Liverpool. Connor, obviously... A lot of people probably had banked that Liverpool were going to beat Brentford, but even without Ivan Tony, Brentford showed that they are capable of being within this the, the top ten sides in the Premier League. What do you make of it? Was it lackluster from Liverpool or good from Brentford? Um, a bit of both. I thought uh, Liverpool were very poor. I, I think we said in the last podcast as well how poor Liverpool really are. Their midfield is their biggest problem. They were completely overrun. They lack intensity and physicality. I think like over the last few years, I haven't really signed any real top midfielders. The Santiago, who was on a free, um, they're sitting there now with like Henderson, Milner, like they just don't look up to the standard. Fabinho has been very poor this season. Uh, and then they go and sign Gakpo, which I thought was a bit of a weird one because they already have wingers. Uh, they need to get a midfielder. They need a bit of pace in there. Um, the, like uh, defensively, then it hurts them because they don't have that protection. Van Dijk's been poor this season. He's injured now. Um, I've seen they conceded 51 big chances, which is like the third most in the league. And this is Liverpool we're talking about. They used to be one of the hardest, best defences in the league every consistently every year. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, Brentford were very impressive. They're missing their best player and they still give Liverpool headaches. Um, Wiza, or Wiza, is it? Wiza. And um, yeah. Wemo were very good. Um and then like pe- people like Norgard and people like that were very impressive. Uh, I see it was our first victory over Liverpool in uh, eighty four years, and they were they were just the better side. The two to goals disallowed. Like Liverpool hadn't conceded a corner all year. Anytime I've watched Liverpool over the years, they've been very good from corners. Like for some reason, this game they were all over the shop. They just lacked the physicality and just weren't up for the game. And I think Klopp said that after the game. Um, Nunes obviously didn't play well. He had his chance. He took it around the keeper. I don't know all the hard work and then missed. But he cleared off the line, obviously. Uh, he's missed. I've seen this. He missed 15 chances. and uh, or fi- He's had like 15 shots in the last two games. Zero goals, which yeah. is shocking. Um, but Cl- like Klopp after the game was like, he couldn't believe how bad they were. And I think Liverpool are in real trouble. And I think Champions League football, unless they go and sign a few players, is probably not going to happen. Or in, look, Connor sort of hit the nail on the head there, especially in regards to Liverpool's midfield. Um, I was shocked at how easy um, Brentford were able to sort of ping it about um, and play football against Liverpool. Look, it's always been sort of a talking point these past couple of years with Liverpool or in obviously their midfield isn't up to scratch. Mm-hmm. What do you think the biggest problem is with Liverpool's midfield? It's aging. I think everybody can see that it's it's an aging midfield and an aging squad, to tell you the truth. Um, look, I, I don't think Liverpool's a necessarily bad team and I don't think they're going to struggle as bad as we think for Champions League football. Look, they're in a bad rut. But Liverpool are more than capable to go on a run of results, same as we said about City last week. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's an aging midfield. Um, I never, ever rated Jordan Henderson. Um, I don't think he's a good enough player to even be playing for Liverpool, let alone be the captain of their club. Um, and I never understood how he got into England squads. Um, I think, don't get me wrong, he'd be a handy enough option for the bench and as a, as a steady Eddie midfielder. Like. But uh, when they've got the likes of Jordan Henderson and uh, James Milner and 
Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Well, Oxlade-Chamberlain's been starting the last few games, um, and he's not up to scratch. We all know that as well. Yeah. Um, they need to start investing. I've seen a couple of tweets that apparently their owners, obviously they're looking new owners, apparently it was meant to be done by January, and they were hoping to get two big transfers in in January, but hasn't worked out like that. I think um, even though we mightn't be the best in everybody's minds, I think they need to put a bit more faith in their youngsters. That young Spanish fella, I don't know his name, and even Curtis Jones, I think they need to bring them on a bit more. Um, just for the pure dynamic of, of their fitness levels, like um, because it, their midfield at the minute showing that they, they can't last 90 minutes, and I don't know what has happened to Fabinho in the last two years. Um he seems to have lost the legs, hasn't he? He's fully dropped off. Like, easily, that fellow was one of the best defensive midfielders in the world. And don't know what's happening now. I think it wouldn't be the worst idea for Liverpool to throw him back into centre-back. Um, which is what they had him with Van Dijk for a while. Or rather, they had him in place of Van Dijk when Van Dijk had that long injury. And he'd he done a good job there. Um, and we've seen it a lot with defensive midfielders over the years where they they start to lose the legs a wee bit and uh, they drop back into centre-back. Yeah. And it, nine times out of ten, it works. Um, and it, at least it'll be an option for Liverpool. And I think they need to do that because Van Dijk's being a bit found out at the minute um, because he's losing his legs. Um, and he's and injured now as well. He's injured now as well. Um, and their defence just isn't up to scratch. Like the way as, it, as, as defensively, sorry, Connor, let me speak, sorry. As as defenders, they need to be better. Um, but yeah, look, they need to invest, and, and that's, that's about the height of it. I completely agree, lad. Um, investment is probably one of those key issues at Liverpool. Um, Owen, obviously, you know, compared to, say, Manchester City, Liverpool's transfer strategy is a lot different. They're, they're not... Don't get me wrong, I, I know that they do spend money, but in terms of, say, like Man United, um, Manchester City, Chelsea, um, even Arsenal these past few years, they don't sort of spend the same quantities of money. Do you think long-term that has now affected them? And do you think that they still have the same draw? Could could they still pull in those world-class players? Uh, the staff they do still have the same uh, pull as the terms of an international club. Um, as you said, their transfer policy is a bit different. Like they usually make one big signing and that's it. They're not going out and spending loads of money on three or four top quality signings. Like that Liverpool team at the minute is quite similar to the Liverpool team for the last five years at the core. They haven't really freshened up their squad. Like Oren talked about their midfield there. They're still relying on Jordan Ham- Henderson, James Milner, Fabinho. They haven't went out and invested in new young players. Um, I still think, as Oren mentioned, Liverpool will be challenging for the Champions League. We know they're a club that's capable of going on these runs, but their transfer policy has let them down a wee bit as of late. Um, I know there's talk of new owners and stuff coming in, so maybe that will change. But they do need to go out and strengthen the midfield, especially young players, and start building a new core instead of relying on what's already there. 
yeah, I think that's fair enough, lad. Totally fair enough. Connor, look, I, I know there we've, we've spent a few minutes talking about Liverpool, but look, I want to move it on to Brentford. Um, obviously, that's that has to go, go down there as one of their best performances this season. Um, they, they just looked fantastic, especially in transition. The way that they moved the ball between defence and attack was electric at times. And I think um, one player that I want to key, on, key in on um He's um, obviously come back from injury, played very well against Spurs um, on, on the game on Boxing Day at Nordyard. One of those players who um, quietly goes under the radar. So far this season, he's putting up his best ball recovery numbers um, since since Brentford have been back in the Premier League. Um, he's also playing his most progressive passes um, that he has since Brentford have, have come back up into the Premier League. Do you think Nordyard's one of those players that... Um, is possibly underappreciated and could be looked at by some top clubs come the summertime. Yeah, definitely. I think um, even last season he was one of their better players. Um, as you said, he's very good at recovering the ball and then getting the the forward passes going. Um, a very very good player and one that uh, would definitely he'd definitely be a top player at any club like a Liverpool would be <laughs> missing a player of that standard. Um, but yeah, I was really impressed with him and. Also, like obviously, as a, do you know what I was surprised by? Actually, Ben Mee was very good. He's yeah. actually really decent this season. I was yeah. surprised by that because obviously he was um, with Burnley and all. Obviously, a decent defender, but he has been very good for them, like a leader. And then obviously up top, they've been very good too. But yeah, without Tony, I was surprised they were this good. But you seen you seen it like even the um, he was back for the City game. He makes such a difference to their team. Norgard, like he does serious work in midfield. Yeah. I agreed, lad. Agreed. Or and obviously no no Tony, but still managed to score three goals against one of the better defenses um in the league. So do you think maybe look do they still need to go and get a striker in January, or would you be confident that maybe Vissa and Embermo could carry that load? Like well, they've signed that young fella from Freiburg, that young German fella. They've invested heavily in him. It's a loan with a buy obligation of I think it's thirty five or forty million pound. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a lot of money. Um. They obviously did need to get an striker in because they can't bank on Tony not getting banned, unfortunately. Um, and they, they probably just needed a backup striker anyway. We all know when Burmo and Wissa are good players, um, but they're not out-and-out strikers. They're, they're wingers. Um, and look, they've done a great job in Liverpool. Um, we've seen it a lot this season. Like Brentford have got some great results. I think the only top six, or one of the big six sides that they haven't beat is uh, Arsenal they got a result away at us and, or they got a result uh, they got 4-0 against us and all as well like um, no Brentford's a good team um, and Buemo's always been a good player I always thought he deserved a bigger move especially after they got the move up from the championship into the Premier League um, I thought he was going to move somewhere for big money it was, all, it was always touted but you have to look at Brentford's business in the past few years as well like like they had Neil Mope on their ranks before he went to Brighton, yep. Um, and they got a big transfer fee for him. He played well for Brentford. They had Ollie Watkins, um, mm-hmm. big transfer fee for him as well. And look, Ivan Tony's going to be the exact same. Um, ben Rama as well, Lauren. Ben Rama as well, exactly. And as soon as you, you see this, because none of them transfers, I don't think any of them transfers were in the same year. Maybe Ben Rama and Watkins. I'm not quite sure. I don't think so though. Well, I think um, Watkins went in the summer, and then Ben Rama went. Ben in Rama went in, yes. So it shows that they're very good, like Brighton, or they're very, very good at replacing um, th- their talent. 
Um, so look, if Tony does go, hopefully this young fella that, that they have signed and invested heavily in, hopefully he is good enough for them. And hopefully he does a job like Tony did. Because Brentford are a really, really good side. I like watching Brentford. Um, yep. And I hate coming up against Brentford as a United fan because I know it's always going to be a tough, tough game. Um, but look, fair play to them. They're, they're worthy. Like, whenever they first came up, everybody was thinking, oh, Brentford's going straight back down. They're a worthy Premier League side. And yeah, hopefully a long may continue. Yeah, Owen, I'm, I'm so glad you made the comparison there to, to Brighton, obviously. Owen, uh, I'm going to tell you why Owen's glad, I'm glad Owen made that comparison. Obviously, Brighton um, steadied the ship with Graham Potter, and Potter well, has, has now been you know renowned as, as a great tactical coach and managed to secure the big move to Chelsea. Now, look, obviously, it's, it's, not, it's not too rosy at the minute, but... I see a lot of similarities between Graham Potter and Thomas Frank. And I, I think that Thomas Frank is a manager within the Premier League that maybe goes a little bit underappreciated. I, I just feel Brentford in general um, get a wee bit underappreciated. But look, what do you make of Thomas Frank? Um, how, how good of a coach can he be? I think he's uh, one of the best coaches in the league, to be honest with you. The job he's doing with Brentford at the minute is fantastic. Like, I weren't alluded to there. Brentford takes scalps. They're not afraid to play the top teams. It's not like these results they're getting against the top teams are 1-0, every man camped in the box and got a lucky break. They take the game to other teams. Frank wants to play his football no matter who he's playing. Um, there's plenty of teams in the top teams that could use a manager like him. There'll be jobs there for him in the future. And I do honestly, I think he's one of the top managers in the league, not just with the way he plays, the way he talks to the media, and the way he engages with the fans and really gets into the ethos of a club, I think he's I think he's fantastic. Yeah, I couldn't couldn't disagree. But I, I think you're totally right, Thomas Frank. He he's he has built a culture at Brentford that is kind of unmatched, and it's one of those cultures. It's it's like a it's a family friendly sort of club, and and the way that the supporters get behind the players is is something special. All right, let's going to move it on to Selhurst Park now. Tottenham Hotspur um, seem to have, you know, sort of revived themselves from the dead and, and put four past Crystal Palace. Um, Connor, look, we've been quite critical of Antonio Conte. We've been quite, quite critical of Spurs over these last few weeks, um, especially that horrible defensive record that they had where they had conceded um, first in 10 games in a row. Looked a lot better defensively against Palace and look deadly at the attacking end. What do you make of Spurs? Um, yeah, Spurs Spurs did improve. I thought in the first half they were very poor. I thought Palace were the better team. Um, but yeah, as you said, defensively they were well improved. Lloris had a good game. And then in the second half they just they just came out and they just destroyed Palace. Um Kane was unbelievable. He scored two goals, set up the other one. Uh it just shows how important he is. Uh, Son broke his uh, scoring drought. He hadn't scored in eight Premier League games. Uh, very impressive second half. Um, sur- I was actually very surprised. For- Palace is a hard away game, and to go away or away and win there four 0 and you're not playing that well really uh, is a very impressive result. Uh, but I thought I thought Kane was very very good, and for Spurs it is a big result because they see the play Arsenal next, and this was a must win really, and. They got it, and now they're only two points outside the top four. I know, well, can't you can I can't even root them off. But if Kane can keep this up, and Son, and the defense can stay, um, well, 
positioned uh, and they get the players back like Kulazewski wasn't even playing and Bazuma wasn't playing and uh, I can't, Benton Kerr wasn't playing if they can get them boys back they definitely will have a chance at top four yeah um, Oren as, as Connor alluded to there um, you know talking about Harry Kane I, I made the statement um, on one of our early episodes that you know take aside Haaland obviously um, Kane is probably the best striker in the Premier League um, aside from Haaland Um Kane does does so many things so for so well for Tottenham. He can drop in the midfield. He can take the ball. Um, his his progressive passing is absolutely fantastic. His range of passing is really good. His all round centre forward play is is world class. Look, Harry Kane. It's a real topic for debate at the minute. Oren, obviously, there are teams that require top level strikers and. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul Merson made the comment the other day, and I don't want to bring it back to Man United, but Paul Merson did make the comment the other day that if a team like United wants to compete for the league, they need to sign a player like Harry Kane that guarantees you 20, 25, 30 goals in the Premier League. Has the, sh- has the ship sailed for Kane, do you think, in terms of a potential transfer? And if he does stay at Spurs, is he Tottenham's greatest player ever? Um. Yeah, he has to be up there with Tottenham's greatest player ever. Um. I definitely don't think the ship is sealed. I think this summer will be crucial for Harry Kane because he'll have a big decision to make. I'm pretty sure his contract expires in 2024. Um. So he'll have a big decision whether he wants to commit to Spurs or he wants to leave. Um. It depends where his ambitions lay. If he if he genuinely thinks Spurs can compete for trophies again I think he'll sign on a new contract because he, he loves Tottenham Hotspur obviously um, but if he doesn't and he, he wants a bit of glory himself um, he needs to he needs to make the move and I don't think he'll come at a huge huge price tag in the summer if he doesn't sign a new contract um, because he is 30 now as well I think you could get Harry Kane for in around 60 to 70 million pound um, which for a player like Kane is is pennies to be honest, because I think I think Kane, other than Holland, is the best out and out striker in the world. Um, yeah, no, he, he's a, he's a phenomenal player. Um, he's showing it with with Tottenham this season, even though they're not performing too well. Tottenham kind of remind me, and I'm not trying to draw a comparison to the managers by any stretch of the word, but they kind of remind me uh, like Ollie's United that. The first half is never a great performance, but the second half they always, they always, it's almost like a new team. Um, whatever is said in the dressing room, um, and you know whatever happens in the first half, you've at least got a chance that you're going to get a draw or even win the game. Um, and they do remind me of a, a lot of Ollie's United in that sense. But Harry Kane, no matter how Tottenham perform, is is always the star man. Um. And it's showing a lot this season as well. I think he's got 15 goals. Has he 15 league goals? Yeah, 15. Um, yeah, he's 15 league goals. And that's with a really, really, really underperforming side and a really underperforming human son. Um, Harry Kane hasn't really got them world-class forwards and midfielders to give him the service the same as Holland does. Uh, I think you put Holland in that, or I think if you put Harry Kane in that Man City squad, he gets the same numbers as Erling Holland. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I definitely wouldn't say the ship is sealed, and I think this summer is going to be crucial. I could see him ending up at United or perhaps Bayern Munich. Um. With the with the loss of Lewandowski there last season. 
look, I, I, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Owen. He's just a, a special, special player. Always has been. And, and always has that a bit lucky. Uh, would you agree with me, lads? Do you think he'll break Shearer's record? He definitely has a good chance. Like, yeah, yeah if, he, if he stays, that's why I think he'll stay in the Premier League because he wants to beat that record. Yeah, he's special. Owen, oh, obviously Spurs, um, their form has been in and out this season. There's times they look like world beaters and then there's times they look like they couldn't beat Armas Celtic, let alone <laughs> fucking any Premier League opposition. What, what in your in your opinion, what do Spurs need to do to stay consistent and break, breach into that top four? Well, they started doing it against Pallister and Connor alluded to there as well. It's just stop shipping goals. Like, they kept a clean sheet there at the weekend. I think that's the you know, they scored conceded first ten ten games in a row. Like for an Antonio Conte side to be shipping so many goals just seems wrong nearly, but that is basically what it is. They need to either get defenders in who can defend better or find a way to make their own defenders better. Like Matt Doherty has started to play a lot better recently. Mm-hmm. But Spurs just the last couple of last couple of months, even before the World Cup, were always just so soft through the middle of the middle of the fans. Teams were just going through them like they weren't there. Um, I'm not totally sold on Spurs. I know Palace is a good team, but Palace always do have clangers in them where they do get hammered by the big teams. I think this game against Arsenal will be very interesting and kind of gauge where Spurs actually are if they are back in that battle for top four or if they yep. are on the outside looking in. So. Yep. I'm going to reserve my judgment on Spurs until I see them in the North London Derby, but I'm not entirely sold on them, if I'll be honest with you. No, yeah, I agree with that one. Uh, sorry to interject you there. No, 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 100%, 100%. Um, But, like, what would your opinion be on it, be? Like, because, obviously, you, you, grow up, you grew up in a, in a Spurs household, and, like, they've Arsenal in the next game and end of City. It really could define Tottenham's season, these next two games. Like, what do you think? Um... Look, obviously, like dad, dad and Oshin, mass two massive, massive Spurs fans, um, and then obviously like my granda, um, and, and my uncles, all massive Spurs fans, and yeah, I think at the minute they are just frustrated more than anything, um, and I understand their frustration because, look, Spurs have some very talented players, and to be honest, before a ball was even kicked this season, I had them as definite top four, um. Because, because of the smart spending that they had done in the summer. They didn't chuck money at bad players. They chucked money at players that were going to come in and do a job for them. I think it's unfortunate at the minute um, that Richarlison's injured. Kulisevsky can't really keep fit either. They definitely miss out that lack of creativity with Kulisevsky. He is so vital to that front three. Um, he has been phenomenal from he came in uh, this time last year. Um. Oshin said to me there last night, we were talking about it, and, and he is actually, he says he's quietly confident for the game against Arsenal, um, and he's quietly confident for the game against City. He told me last night, City, and in seven games, the last seven games against City, City have only beaten Spurs once, um, mm-hmm. which is a bit of a crazy stat when you think about it. Oshin says that Spurs just seem to be like City's bogey team. Um, so he is sitting there quietly confident at the minute. Um, Oshin said to me as well the other day, Spurs just need to make up their mind. They either need to back Conte or they don't. They, they, mm-hmm. he, 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 but that also comes down to Conte as well. Exactly. He, yeah. he either commits his future to Spurs or he doesn't. And then they can look to move on in the summer and pick up a new manager. Because I think there's plenty of decent managers out there um, that could do a job at, at Spurs. Um, 
look, I, I would be in the same boat as Owen though, Oren. I feel um I, I just with performances this season, I'm not sold on Spurs. Um mm-hmm. I'm just not sure if even with the world class talent with like Kean, I just I don't know if they breach into the top four. I just as a squad I don't think they're good enough. Mm. You and Ashley have a great relationship, like so you, you would watch Spurs a lot and you know a lot about Spurs, especially from him. Um, I just found it interesting that the Sky Sports News summer transfer window 11 had four Spurs players in it. It had Jed Spence, uh, Ivan Persich, Ivis Basuma and Richardson. Like, obviously, Conte was back in the summer um, and his tactic and stuff can be questioned at this stage now. Obviously, they've had a lot of injuries and it is unfortunate. But where has it went wrong, do you think, Connor? Um, look, I think with that, that summer... Um that summer 11, I, I, I seen it as well over in there. I see Sky Sports sort of reposted it the other day to cause a bit of debate. Um, look, I think at the summertime when those signings were made, you could definitely argue they were in that 11 for the price that was paid for them and the talent that they were going to add to Tottenham squad. Like when It's like we said last week, when Basuma was signed for 25 million, everybody was like, how did Spurs manage to pull off a deal like that? That's ridiculous. Um, I just think... Um, like we alluded to last week, Conte's style of football just hasn't really changed from it's been successful and it's very rigid and it doesn't really allow for a lot of attack and creativity, which is something that Spurs have been renowned for the past few years, especially under Maurizio Pochettino. Spurs played some of the best attacking football in the Premier League and I'll not have anybody tell me any different. They just did. Um they, they, they were free-flowing. They could hit teams. Like, some of the big results I think of in the last few years, like, Spurs would win games 4-5-0. Easy. Easy. Um, and this beat season, us 6-1. They beat us 6-1 as well a few years ago. Like, they always had a flair for great attack in football. And yes, that sometimes came at their detriment because they did ship quite a few goals. And unfortunately, you know, Vertonghen and Alderweireld got old very quickly and the legs were gone very quickly. But... I just feel like Spurs don't have the talent um, to get into the top four. Um, and I, I just feel like Conte's system is far too rigid and doesn't allow their better players to express themselves. No, I, think, I appreciate that. I was very curious for your opinion on that because obviously you know more about Spurs than us. So, so cheers for sharing that. No problem at all. No worries. Uh, going to move it on then, lads, to um, Old Trafford. Um, Manchester United victorious uh, over Bournemouth. Three goals to nil. Um, it was it was comfortable, really, Connor, wasn't it? Yeah, it was an easy enough win. Um, I think we kind of called that because Bournemouth had been in poor form and United had been playing very well. Um, but with the game, I thought like seventh consecutive win at Old Trafford, and I think that is vital if United are going to get top four. They need to make Old Trafford a fortress again. Um, obviously Rashford scores again. I think the performance as we keep alluding to every week about Casemiro, how vital he is to this team, how good he is. He scored a goal, um, just winning that ball. He's always on the front foot with the passing. Um, his half volley was unbelievable. I thought Luke Shaw, he was back at left back, and he was he was a centre back or centre back against Everton, and he did play well enough. But see, when we took Malassi off and we put him into left back, I thought we looked even more solid because yeah. he is so good defensively at left back, and he can get forward a bit more. Um. Because I thought Demar Gray was giving us serious issues against Everton, but Luke Shaw was great again. His goal was brilliant, just to um, brings it forward. A good team goal. Granacho with the assist, his first, um, like his first assist for United. 
but yeah, Bournemouth, per, per enough, they did create a few chances. De Gea did make a few good saves. Um, they played a lot better than they did previously, Bournemouth. I think their last game, they were dreadful. Uh, but with United, it's it's looking up and just keep getting wins and players playing well. I thought Erickson wasn't bad either. He got an assist, free kick. I thought he played a bit better, a bit better with the ball retention. I've th- I seen Ten Hag did say, first half, we didn't keep possession well enough. I think in his teams, he will want to keep the ball a bit better. Um, and then the second half, we just countered them. Once they started going on the front foot a bit more, we just were too good for them on the counter. And good to see, I know Rashford probably didn't play as well. He played obviously better on the on Friday night against Everton, but to keep scoring, keep getting them goals and building the confidence. And if he keeps playing well, uh, I can't see why United don't get top four. Yeah, fair enough, Connor. Fair enough. Um, Oren, wait, there is such a massive caliber of world-class managers um, in, in the Premier League um, at the minute. Like, even... You know, even some of the teams who who aren't necessarily with like within the the Champions League are are going to get into the Champions League. You know, there is a great caliber of manager um within this league. Ten Hag has come in, and it it seems as though he's really really changing the fortunes of, of Manchester United around. Um, he is now taking over parts of the club that Sir Alex would have, would have looked after. You know, taking the likes of the youth teams. Um just stamping his authority around the club look i know it's very early days but where does he rank among the greats and within this league in the league or for united i I would just say in the league um look there's there's plenty of good managers um and you can only play with the hand that you're dealt like you have to look at the likes of wolves they've got julian lapetegui in very experienced manager Aston villa Una, with Unai Emery, um, another very experienced manager, won lots of trophies. Um, I think it would be hard to to rank him after half a season. And I say half a season, it hasn't even been half a season uh, with the World Cup. Um, look, he's doing a phenomenal job at United. Um, I think it's hard to take that away from him. I think it would be very naive, and I think it is very naive for people on Twitter and stuff to be saying, uh, that he's still a bad manager. I don't understand that at all. Um, United have 19 wins in all competitions this season. Uh, last season, we managed 20 in the entire season. Um, so he's definitely changed the fortunes a bit, as you were saying. Um, he's he's brought the, the proper discipline back to Manchester United, which we've lacked for years. We've seen it with Rashford being benched the other day. Um, and he came on and made an impact. And the first thing he done... Uh, after the final whistle, was give Ten Hag a hug. So there's obviously a good team mentality and team spirit in the dressing room, and Leicher Martinez was saying the same thing as well um, in, in a recent interview. Um, yeah, as I say, I'm not I'm, I'm not going to rank him just because I think it would be too difficult whenever you do see the, the calibre of manager, but look, we're sitting pretty in third, or we're fourth, sitting pretty in fourth, um, and we, we've got... A tough run of fixtures. Obviously, we've got we've got Charlton in the League Cup quarterfinal. Uh, not the best opposition, but still a massive, massive game. And then we've got City. We've got a rescheduled fixture of Crystal Palace, and then with Arsenal, three games that I, even the way I'm an optimist, and you all know that I still am quite confident we can come away with at least seven points from them three games. Um, I can see two wins. Um. At the very least, I, I wouldn't be shocked if we came away with nine points, um, and I think that's, I think that's 
tells a story in comparison to United's other managers of recent uh, uh, since Alex Ferguson left the club. Um, so look, he's obviously doing a phenomenal job. Um, look, if if you do want if you do want to rank, I would say Pep Guardiola is number one. Um, I would say Jurgen Klopp's number two. Um, I'm gonna say it's a joint third between Ten Hag and Unai Emery. But look, it's half a season. Still plenty to go. Still lots and lots of games to be played. Still many cup competitions to be in. By the end of the season, we could be we could be talking about a very very successful manager for Manchester United already. Yeah, it's it, it the the positives are definitely there with Ten Hag, and I'm I'm glad you touched on those fixtures that are coming up. Oren, Owen, look, um, obviously Arsenal, Palace, City, all in the space of of eight days. Now I'm not trying to stir up a narrative here, but I did see a thing on Talksport the other day. Um, it was uh, Laura Woods, um, that that fella Crooks, and I can't remember who the third one was, but they were talking about you know, Man United are now just a point behind Manchester City. Um, they're level with points on Newcastle. And look, people keep saying the title race is between Arsenal and Man City. But with United and Newcastle only being a point behind Man City, should they realistically be in the conversation for a title race as well? Uh, well, funny, I was, I was going to ask you that, actually. Uh, it's, I think that was probably recorded before City played, because I think City's four points clear now. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, but United have a game in hand on Newcastle anyway. So I'm looking at the table here now. United's nine points behind Arsenal. I was actually just going to ask you: is, Do you feel if United do beat Arsenal and City, that they're in a title race? I I think you would have to say so to be honest. Um, because look, every team at some point in the season has to drop points. You just have to. Yeah. Like I feel like United's start was that poor that that's where their biggest points were dropped. I still feel like at some stage in the season, Arsenal are going to have to drop points. City's probably going through their bad patch at the minute. And again, Newcastle haven't really dropped many points either. Um, I know, New- I think Newcastle have eight draws or something. So if you looked at that and said, you know, maybe if Newcastle had to turn some of those draws into win wins, they would be in a better position as well. But I feel like United have sort of gone under the radar and um, it's only now that they're sort of being picked up on um, and the teams are viewing them as, as, a, as a big threat now um, because of the, the run of wins that they're on. Um, but I do, I, I feel like if United win those three games in the space of eight days, there's absolutely no reason why people shouldn't be saying that they're in the title race. No, I, I'd agree with you, Connor. It's just, as you said, I, tend to, I don't really pay that much attention to United other than when you are watching it in the house or they watch it with you is like I haven't really been paying attention to the table and all and just kind of when I looked at the table I was nearly surprised at how close United are because kind of like everybody else I just kind of wrote them off as having a bit of a midland season but they're starting like they've game in hand they're two points ahead of Spurs with game in hand they're starting to pull away in that top four race a wee bit mm-hmm. so, and like it, they're starting to pull into that title race as again the next week or so it's going to be massive like we could be looking at a three horse title race we could be looking at a two horse title race it all depends on the way those results go um like just with who everybody's playing this is clearly the biggest week of the season coming up with all the big teams playing each other arsenal's playing city playing tottenham united's playing city and arsenal so 
it's going to be this week is probably going to decide where the trophy goes, really. Depending yeah. On the results. Yeah. No, so to- totally agree. Do man. have to be in that conversation. Yeah, totally, totally agree, lad. Um, gonna move it on then to Stamford Bridge, lads. Um, Chelsea, Man City. This is twice now they've, they've played each other in the past few days. It's now City are up 5 0 on aggregate, but we're gonna just focus on the Premier League game, um, where they managed to sort of scrape that 1 that 0 win. Oren, look, well, I, I know we, we've talked about Chelsea um, and, and how poor they've been, but how bad is it realistically? Chelsea are really, really missing a creative midfielder. Um, and I think it's getting, <laughs> it must be getting bad because all I see on Twitter is Chelsea fans wanting Callum Hudson to die back for some reason. Um, like he's going to be <laughs> their linchpin midfielder. Oh, Jesus. Um, That's when you know it's bad. Like Exactly. Um, oh, look, to be honest, in that game, I th- as you say, I said he scraped it. Um, I think Chelsea had a real opportunity to take points off City there. Um, I think even in the first half, they played better. Um, but it's a results business. Didn't get the job done again. Um, Graham Potter's on thin, thin, thin ice, in my opinion. Pep Guardiola said after the, the cup draw, the cup tie yesterday that Bowley needs to give him time, and I agree, but I think it was the wrong uh, appointment in the first place. I didn't think Pollard was quite ready for it. I think he should have stayed the season at Brighton. Um, but Chelsea, yeah, they're they're in a bad, bad way. City didn't look too promising the other day either. Looked to look better in, in the cup and showed their squad depth too. But it gives me hope for the Manchester Derby. Um, the way City performed the last two weeks against Everton and against Chelsea in the Premier League. But Chelsea need... They need reinforcements in, in January. It's all well and good them spending hundreds of millions on uh, young talent for the future, but they need to invest for now. Um, we've we've spoke a lot about Pierre Emerick Aubameyang in the last few weeks as well, and he's not even making the squad anymore. Um, so things are thing, things are going a bit south for Chelsea, and I do think it'll take Potter to get at least two windows of his own signings to come in before he implement, impl- fully implement his own style of football mm-hmm. into this Chelsea team because it is Tuchel's team. We've said it week after week. Um, and that's why I, I think he does need time. But uh, as we say every week as well, results, it is results business football these days. So he needs to make something happen fast. But yeah, he needs, needs reinforcements in the midfield. He needs a creative midfielder. They've signed creative midfielders in the past like the likes of Havertz paid big big money for Havertz who was one of the best creative midfielders in the Bundesliga and they've tried him at striker they've tried him on the wing and they've tried him as a creative midfielder in that first season and it just hasn't clicked fully um no they need to they need to spend better and they need to spend wiser yeah, I think wiser is probably the key term there Oren um, they do seem to just chuck money at, at players that probably aren't good enough to play for Chelsea and and like realistically Owen look there's a lot of debate around Chelsea at the minute and you know there's times that they look good and there's periods of games where they look like they're they're in control and then suddenly they they throw it away um with Chelsea Owen what do you think the biggest problem is if you if you could address one problem in this January transfer window what's the biggest one for you 
creativity probably is what I feel the main problem is. Or Luda that they're they have no creative midfielder, and they also have no striker really. Like I'm just looking back on the results here. Uh, the last time they scored more than one goal in the game was against uh, Aston Villa on the fifteenth of October. Yeah. Like they're not scoring goals the rate that they need to be scoring. Like you'd always used to think Chelsea always had great strikers who got you goals, Drogba, um, even Diego Costa when he was there, he was always scoring fifteen, twenty goals a season. And they're not and they had goals coming from their wingers, the likes of Hazard, but they're not getting those goals anymore. They're not creating anything. They're very passive. I know uh, we talk about Potter needs time to get his signings and stuff in, but I know it's a bit harsh, but the transfer window's been open for nine days now, and where's the big money striker? Where are they getting these goals from? That's my question to them. Yeah, I'd look, I'd, I struggle to disagree with you, to be honest, Owen. Um, I, I do think creativity is probably their biggest issue at the minute. Um, look, I'm, I'm going to be totally honest, and I look, I've said it week upon week, and I stand by what I said. Havertz and, and Mount are not good enough. Um, they are poor players. Um, they're, they're average, and I don't see them being the type of players that are going to kick Chelsea on any. And the frustrating thing is, you know, Mount does have potential within him to, to be a top player, but the way he's playing at the minute is just, it's not good enough. Um, when they signed uh, when they signed Havertz, I, I was sceptical of that signing because I wasn't sure how he was going to transfer his particular skill set to the Premier League. And I think I've been proven right, to be completely honest. I, I, don't, I, I don't see Havertz kicking Chelsea on any either, to be honest. If anything, he is regressing. And the, the 70 million that they paid for him, I think they would be lucky to get 40 million back for him, to be completely honest. Um, look, moving on to City then, lads. Um, obviously, they have struggled over recent weeks um, and they did scrape through Chelsea there. But after the way they played in, in, in the cup game at the weekend, Oren, do you think to yourself that's maybe City's bad patch or a rough rough patch over and now they're going to gonna kick on? It's difficult to say that as well because it was very much uh, City's second team that was playing in the cup. Um, and it was against a weaker Chelsea team too, to be fair. But look, City, we've said it every week, especially after Everton. I remember saying that City are liable to go on a run of 15, 16 games where they just win all of them. Uh, it is just the team that they are and the squad they have is ridiculous. Like even that cup team yesterday, that could beat 17 out of the 20 sides in the Premier League mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. Um and the talent they had on the bench, they had hundreds of millions of pounds of talent on the bench. Um, look, City will not struggle. It's never going to be a debate in the next few years, at the very least. Anyway, the City's going to struggle. Um, they'll bounce back fully in the Premier League too. Um, I just hope it's not this weekend. But um, it Look, City are still going to be in a title race after this weekend, no matter what happens. Um because they just are liable to go on that big run of results. And it shows the squad depth they have when they don't really need to invest in January either. Um, In the summer, it could be different. You never know. We've talked about Harry Kane a lot there. You never know. He could partner Holland. Who knows? Um, And that just would be a cheat code for the entire league. You may as well quit. Delete the club. Um, Start a new ultimate team. 
because <laughs> that's the only chance they're going to beat Pep City next year if, if they sign Harry Kane. Um, ach, look, no, I, I don't. I wouldn't say that they're going to struggle. I, th- I would say, but it is hard to say that the rough patch is over. It's just, it's just a type of team City are. They they are liable for a few stinkers, but they're also more than capable to go on a long, long run of wins. So yeah, they're still going to be in a tight race after this week. Um and look the the dispatched of a per per Chelsea team. Yeah, I, I totally agreed, lad. Owen, I, I think a player that flies under the radar every year for Man City. Um, and, and he's he's been playing quite well uh, the last few games. Riyad Mahrez, obviously, was signed signed for big money. Um, from Leicester, uh, the season after they won the Premier League. Um, what 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 do you make of Mahrez then? Is he do, do you see Mares in City's strongest side, or do you think he's just uh, a better option off the bench? Um, look, Mares is a fantastic player, and the fact that you, you have to question like a player of Real Mares' caliber, is he in his team's strongest 11? It's just just goes to show, once again, the squad depth of City. Um, I like to see him playing on that right wing. I think uh, City's strongest front three would be... Uh, Foden, Holland, and Mares. To be honest with you, not just because yeah. I keep trying to get Foden in my fantasy team. I don't know if he's going to start or not. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think Real Mares has always been a great player. Like he was the catalyst that won Leicester in the Premier League. Like obviously, Kante was fantastic that season, and Forty was getting the goals. But Real Mares, he was Player of the Year, I think, and uh, he was just fantastic when they won that Premier League. And he hasn't been bad for City by any stretch of the imagination. He's just always consistent. He always seems to be scoring goals. You don't really recognise the work he does because he's not like a Holland or a De Bruyne who's playing these outrageous passes and uh, scoring fifteen hundred goals a season. Um, but he start he creates chances. He's always there. He's always involved in the build up the City do, and I do think he should be in City's strongest eleven. Connor, obviously, both sides here, City and Chelsea, they're having two completely different seasons, realistically. But um, what what do you think between the level that City are at and the level that Chelsea are at? Is there a big disparity there, or is it something that Chelsea, with with the right spending and by giving Potter time, they could eventually make up to that? Um. With City, like they've just been so good over the last five years. With Chelsea, over the last five years, have been inconsistent. Obviously, they've won the Champions League, but it will take a lot of money and it will take time. I think Potter deserves more time. I know they're not getting the results. They've mm-hmm. six points from their last eight games, which is dreadful. And probably any other Chelsea manager would probably get sacked for that. But they've had so many injuries. I thought in the first half they actually played okay. Um, but the second half, they got a bit tired. And when you can bring on Mares and Grealish off the bench and they both set each other up within three minutes and Chelsea have boys like... Like, they're obviously young, so not slating them, but Hutchinson, Hall and Gallagher, there's a big discrepancy there. And it's shown in the result. And City didn't play well, but they grinded out results and we see this all the time. And as Oren says, they'll probably go on a massive run now. Hopefully not on Saturday, but <laughs> they probably will go on, kick on now get results. Uh, I w- like City weren't impressive, but 
I went in, I went away to Stan- or at Stamford Bridge is still a good result. Yeah. And uh, yeah, with Chelsea, like they're missing Kante. Like as creative midfielder, like when you're looking for ways like Loftus Cheek, that is worrying because it shows Havertz and Mount have just been very poor, as yeah. we've alluded to every week. And uh, yeah, Aubameyang's been poor up front. Cucurella has been a not a great signing to be honest. Um, but with Chelsea, they're just gonna have to invest and. It doesn't mean they're going to be good, to be honest, because getting a striker in is not easy. Yeah. And that's what they need. No, 100% agreed, lad. 100% agreed. Going to move it on then to um, the the probably what was an interesting clash um, during the week. Um, first against third, Arsenal against Newcastle. Uh, bit of a bit of a strange game, Connor, wasn't it? Arsenal come out the blocks so, so strong. Looked like they were going to maybe put four or five past Newcastle and created some massive, massive chances in that first sort of 30, 35 minutes. But Newcastle slowly grew into the game then. And look, I have to ask you about it. The controversy at the end of the game. Was it a penalty? Was it not a penalty? What What did you make of it, Connor? Um, the handball, I don't think it was a penalty. I think that would have been extremely harsh, to be honest. Uh the Gabriel one was kind of maybe more of a penalty to pull into the shirt, but they don't seem to be given those as much now, and the VAR just don't don't check those. So for me, I don't think it was a penalty. I thought Arteta was a bit theatrical. Um, maybe that was a bit of pressure because they knew this was a massive result. They got to keep winning because of City. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as you said, it started off so well, but they kind of just dipped off. Um, burn like Saka was given. Burns a really tough time first 10 minutes but then they kind of doubled him up and kept him quiet they kept Odegaard quiet who's been such a great player for them um, but Newcastle have one of the best defences in the league uh, they've only conceded 11 goals a season 10 clean sheets which is brilliant Burns Botman Shaw have all been brilliant Trippier has been unbelievable Yeah, uh, you wonder how like Spurs got rid of him to be honest because he's such a good player Uh but yeah, as the game went on, Newcastle Newcastle actually missed a great opportunity too, Joe Linton. Yes. But as the game went on, you could tell uh, they just wanted to get a draw. A draw was a good result for them. And they just keep improving. Totally agreed. Totally agreed, Connor. Oren, look, um, <laughs> we've been so... Uh, we've waxed lyrical about Arsenal, really, um, from we started this podcast. But did you feel maybe this was the first sign of nerves? And maybe... Are the players starting to realise, look, we're first in the Premier League here, there's a certain standard we have to maintain, and do you feel maybe that was the first sign of a, a wobble? Look, I don't know. Like, uh, Arsenal probably should have won that game. They had plenty of chances, especially at the end there with Eddie and Kedia. Um, They just need to keep their consistency and, and keep their heads and try not to get injured. There's a lot of games coming up. Um, so... They've got big opposition to play uh, this week. They've got United and they've got Spurs. Uh, so it's going to be a, a tough, tough week for Arsenal. Um, as we said, the past few fixtures we've talked about this week is going to be crucial in the title race. Um, so let's see if they can just maintain their composure and, and get a couple of results. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, man, fair enough. Owen, obviously, look, you are a Celtic supporter, but um, you you do follow Arsenal as well. But they're they're they are your team in the in the Premier League as such. Um, overall, then, what like what did you make of the game? Um, does I know obviously no Jesus and 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 Jesus hadn't been finishing chances recently. And Kedia come in, scored a couple of goals um in his first couple of games, but obviously had that massive chance and didn't convert it. Do you feel like you know? 
because Nketi is not at the you know the world class level, do you think that's going to hurt Arsenal in the long run? Uh, I do to an extent. Look at it wasn't it wasn't a massive like fantastic chance. It wasn't like a guaranteed goal. It was a good save from Pope. Um, but you, if you have a player, a top quality striker, the lot of teams like a Lewandowski, a Benzema, a Harry Kane, Holland, they score that. That's the difference between good strikers and great strikers. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel Newcastle frustrated Arsenal. They came with their plan to get their point, and it worked out perfectly for them. Joe Linton had a good chance, so they could have got more than more than just a point. I actually I disagree with Connor. I think Arsenal should have had a penalty. Um, look, he's ripping the jer- He's nearly ripping the jersey off his back. If that happens on the halfway line, the referee's given the free for it. Um, so I do think that should have been a penalty. But look at over the course of the season, these things tend to even themselves out. Um, in Premier League anyway, I won't get into Scotland, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. Look at as Orn said, this is this next ten days or so is gonna is gonna be massive. It it's gonna sort the uh, the contenders out from the pretenders. Like, uh, Arsenal's only dropped points in three games this season, so I don't think Arsenal need to panic really. Yeah, Arsenal just need to keep doing what they're doing. Um, look at City also drew with this Newcastle team. We know what this Newcastle team's like. They're really difficult to break down. They'll hit you on the break. To have the players capable of scoring the chances they do create. Um, Almiron's been one of the best creative players in the Premier League this season. Trippier and Pope are Marshall and Batman are just marshalling the best defence in the league. So, look at a 0 0 draw to Newcastle is not the end of the world, really, for Arsenal. There's a lot of this season still to go. So, I wouldn't be panicking if I was Arsenal at the minute. I like that word, sorting the contenders from the pretenders. I do like that. Uh, Connor, look. Obviously, with Newcastle, they have been so, so good this season. They've probably been the biggest shock um, this season in the Premier League. I don't think don't think anybody would have expected them to be as good as they have been. Um, look, moving on from this season, what's realistic for Newcastle? Like, let's say they make the Champions League this year. Um, what's realistic for Newcastle? Do Will they be the next Man City? Will they go and spend hundreds of millions of pounds on on the top quality or do you like the fact that eddie howe is is bringing in players that suit him they're not exactly superstars as, as such but Howe is probably turning them into superstars do you like that model that that newcastle have at the minute yeah i think that is a more realistic uh, model for them they're not just spending crazy i know they did buy isaac or isaac or uh, who's striker who has been injured a lot, but I'd say once he gets fit, he'll be a huge asset for them. Um, yeah, the model they're using is very good. Uh, like Eddie Howe has changed players completely. Like Almiron, Joe Linton has been very good. You know Shaw as well. Uh, and the, I, he deserves to be back in the summer. But as you said, it'd probably be more realistic spending. They just don't want to go out there because if you get into that mold of. Uh, spending outrageously then the prices go up and up and up and it'll be harder harder to get the players in mm-hmm. so with newcastle that if they get champions league football this year next year they could be it's crazy to think but they could be title contenders because the big players that want to go there they have the fans they obviously have a great manager there's some good players there so it's only up for newcastle yeah i totally agreed totally agreed or and look two draws in a row now for newcastle um as Eddie Howe said the other day, you know, 
they 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 view that as as bad results now because of the way Newcastle had been playing. But look, going to the league leaders and getting a point, um, was a do you think it was a fair result on the night, or did you feel like Newcastle possibly could have given a little bit more within the game? I wouldn't say Newcastle could have given any more. I think they they done well with the with the point because I thought personally that Arsenal should have won the game. They should have seen off a couple of chances. Uh, of course, Nick Pope playing, playing well again. Um, but look, Newcastle, it, it shows the shift in dynamic again with Newcastle. As we all know, Newcastle is one of the biggest clubs in the Premier League. Um, and they're rightfully up where they deserve to be again. Um, but look, who knows what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. Uh, a shock exit in the Cup uh, this weekend. Um could change uh, it could shift the momentum a bit in some of the Newcastle players minds um, but like we'll, we'll wait and see because as we keep saying there's still so 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 much of this Premier League season to go um, so so much can change um, but yeah I, I, I don't worry for Newcastle I think they'll still be in that top 4 race at the very very least but I, I can't see them dropping out at the top four. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Owen, obviously my fantasy pick of the week last week was was Nick Pope. And when I made the prediction and we were going through then the, the predictions for the games, I forgot that Newcastle were playing Arsenal. Um, and I sort of sat there and I goes, yeah, well, that's my 100% record gone. But he kept a clean sheet, picked up the bonus points, got 10 points for anybody that had them in their teams this weekend. Owen, look, he's been a fantastic signing. Where does he rank among the Premier League's top goalkeepers? Um, it's a good question, actually. Um, obviously, Nick Pope's been fantastic for Newcastle. He's the type of keeper Newcastle needed. That when the big chances do uh, appear, like in Kadia's there the other night, um, he keeps it out. Um, just thinking, right? So obviously, Allison, Addison, we'll probably put them above him. Um, probably put the hair above him just for what the hair has done in the past. We know he's a great keeper. But there's not much more than that I'd put above him if I'm honest with you. Yeah. And I'm just thinking through the league, like Mandy's fallen off, she doesn't even start for Chelsea anymore. Kappa is just I like I like Kappa, but that's just because he's mad. Martinez is obviously a good keeper. Um but yeah, I'd probably put him definitely in the top top four, five anyway. Should he be should he be England's number one, do you reckon? In my opinion, yeah. But uh, in terms of their performances. Like, I know Pickford has always been great for England, but Pickford does things for England that I don't. I think Nick Pope can do anyway, and I think Nick Pope can do more. Look at Pickford is the number one, and he hasn't made a massive mistake to justify dropping them. But I think Nick Pope's the best English keeper there is. That's just my personal opinion about the whole thing. Yeah. Totally, totally fair, Owen. All right, lads, just going to run through the rest of the games very quickly then. Um, Leicester, Fulham, finished 1-0 to Fulham at Leicester. Um, just a quick word, lads, or are Leicester in trouble? Yeah, they're definitely in trouble. I think Rodgers is in trouble more than anything with Leicester. Uh, look, at they're sitting now on 17 points. They're... They're only two points above the relegation zone. They had a wee run just before the World Cup to pull them out of that uh, relegation fight, but they're they're falling back into it now. And I think Brendan Rodgers is in very thin ice at Leicester. Yeah, look, I would be completely, completely 
inclined to agree with you, um, Owen. I think you, you've, you've definitely hit the nail on the head there. Um, moving on then as well, Everton, Brighton. Brighton, 4-1 winners. Um, again, uh, Oren, well, what's, what, what's your verdict on that? Brighton good, Everton poor? Yeah, the Zerbys doing a great job, Brighton. Um, we all thought that there might be a shift in Brighton's momentum after Potter left to join Chelsea, but it's completely went the opposite direction. Um, Brighton's playing brilliant, brilliant football. Um, and they're doing this without Leandro Trossard, who hasn't made his way back into the team since the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as Irby even said, like he'll have to work a lot harder in training and perform better in matches if he wants to get back in that team. Yeah. Um, and Matoma's playing out of his skin. Sully March is playing very, very well. Um, yeah, Everton's a per team. Um, I think Frank Lampard's another one of their managers on thin ice. Uh, but like as our mate said, who supports Everton. Jesus himself could come into that Everton job and not turn it around like um as a miracle Jesus couldn't do like do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um no Brighton Brighton Brighton's good team. Uh Connor Leeds, West Ham finished two two. Um good result for West Ham, do you reckon? Or would should they've been expecting to get three points? Um, going away to Leeds obviously is a tough result or a tough game. Um, I think the I think I don't I actually didn't see the game. I just seen the highlights, but I don't think they played very well. I think Leeds were the better side. Uh, so a point away is probably okay. But they're both near the bottom, and uh, I don't think either will get relegated. But a draw away from home, West Ham needed a result to stop the losing streak. I think they lost four or five in a row, so mm-hmm. they needed a point. So points a point, like it'll probably help them if they are going to be in a relegation battle. Yeah, fair enough. And finally then, lads, final game of, of this game week, um, Southampton, Nottingham Forest. Look, Forest actually picking up a wee bit of form, you know, and, and picking up points. Um, encouraging signs then, um, Owen, do you think Forest could possibly get themselves out of the relegation zone? I don't know. Their, their last two results have been good. Like, obviously, they got that point against Chelsea. They beat, uh, beat Southampton. And, like, they've only won, lost one of their last five, actually. I think they're now for the first time in a long while, off the bottom of the table. Mm-hmm. Um, after me calling him out about two weeks ago, I, will, uh, I still can't say his name, <laughs> uh, Adewaye actually scored a goal. Yes. Um, so, look at... That was a great day. attempt, I want to be fair. Yeah, thanks, lad. <laughs> 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 they, call me, they call me Mr. Worldwide. So um, look at, it's still looking bleak for force, but it's not as bleak as it was a couple of weeks ago. If they keep picking results up, look, we know Forrest spent big money in the transfer window. They bought nearly two new teams. So uh, if they can get it, uh, if they can get it jailed, um, it's looking it's looking like for them. Like they're now they're fifteenth on the table now, so they're out of that relegation zone. So it's looking good for them at the minute. But they need to keep picking results up. Yeah, agreed, lad. Agreed. All right, gonna move it on to our. Our favourite section, our picks of the week. Connor, going to come to you first. Who's the player of the week this week? Yeah, so we've already really spoken about him, but Harry Kane, uh, two goals and assists. I think he just, he doesn't, he basically carries that Tottenham team. If he plays well, Tottenham usually get results. Uh, he's just, even his all-round play, how he can hold up the ball, uh, help others. He got the assist for Son's goal. He's had 15 goals this season in the Premier League, and he's just one goal off, Um Jimmy Greaves, 265 for Tottenham. Yep. So that just has to be Harry Kane. Ferguson played well as well for Brighton. I thought he was good. Give him a mention, a young Irish player, goal and assist, but Harry Kane, player of the week. 
love that love that oh and look i'm gonna stick with harry kian for a second um look we all know how good harry kian is and look i know you as a, as, a, as a follower of arsenal you probably don't look too fondly on harry kian but look aside from holland it is is he the best striker in the premier league uh yeah there's no there's no room to wiggle around and argue of that point like he is by far the best and most consistent striker in the Premier League. Like, you look at the scoring charts this year, and yeah, Tony and Mitrovic is up there, and fair play to them, they're having great seasons. But Harry Kane is always in and running for the Golden Boots. Like, you'll never you'll never get good odds good odds at Harry Kane to win the Golden Boot, because he's always mm-hmm. going to be one of the favourites. Mm-hmm. Like, as Oren alluded to, he's probably one of, if not the best, apart from Holland, out-and-out striker in the world. Like, he's up there in that band of Lewandowski and Benzema. So, yeah, he's by far the best uh, striker in the Premier League, other than Holland. Or, and, and again, just uh, sticking with Kian quickly, um, what, what what would you say, in, in your opinion, what's what's his strongest attribute? What is it that sets him apart from, from other strikers? Um, Most strikers, like, if you're a striker, you need to be able to finish. And obviously, Harry Kane can finish. What I like about Harry Kane is his, his back-to-goal play. Um, I think his link-up play is very, very good. He adapted his game a couple of years ago. Uh, he adapted it very, very well. He, he was well up on the assists list as well. And I think he offers... Because he, he's still always in the position of a striker, but he's he always seems to be in the position of a midfielder as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, He's just a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant footballer. Yeah, completely agreed. Completely agreed. Owen, going to come to you next. The cream of the cream, boob of the week. <laughs> Who is this week's boob? So, uh, the boob of this week is between two boobs. Um, <laughs> two boobs? Oh, it is. So, I, I'm going to make my mind up on the spot here. It's either between my man Darwizzy for... Darwizzy. <laughs> <laughs> we played a pro clubs game last night. And there was a guy called Darwizzy, and he was he had us on the ropes, lads. He, he had us on the ropes. So it's either between Nunes for his miss between Bradford, or Leon Bailey for his miss against Wolves. They are essentially the same thing. They're around the keeper. They had a net hit, and Darwin Nunes was cleared off the line. I'll give him credit for that. Leon Bailey put it wide. So I'm going to declare Leon Bailey the boob of the week. Fair enough. Yeah, Fair enough. For putting it wide, for it being an injury time to win the game at one all, and also Leon Bailey has been pissing me off lately of the chances he's missing. There's no two, <laughs> there's no two times against Liverpool where he forgot the whole idea of football is to kick the ball and not the air. <laughs> so yeah, Leon Bailey is the boob of the week. Fair enough. Sorry, while we're on the boob of the week here, Orandara, I have yes. something. I have something to come at you with. Oh, thank you very much. You said last week that Darwizzy had nine Premier League goals. Oh, yes. No, I know. I apologize for that. I apologize. Do you, do you know, lad, when we finished recording, I was ripping. I was sitting there going. So was I. I was like, Darwin Nunes does not have nine yeah. Premier League goals. No. Because he has ten goals in all competitions. Because obviously, we, look, we didn't get hated. We weren't arguing with each other, but we were a little bit. Well, a bit bitey with each other, shall we say. Mm. And when you said, oh, he get 20 in the Premier League, I was like, there's not a... Ch- not a I'm still player. sticking to that, though. I'm still sticking to it. You still think he'll get 20? Yeah. Yeah, I do, you do. Look, I was wrong with the stat. But, like, he's 10 goals uh, in all competitions. Um, mm. 
No, I got it wrong. I, I thought uh, it was in the league, but it wasn't. Well, so I do, uh, do apologise to the viewers, but I still do think he'll get the 20 goals, especially after his finish there the other night against Wolves. A robbery, by the way, on Wolves. Yeah, but, I don't uh, I think that finish the other night showed that he, he actually can put the ball in the net. Um, and hopefully, well, not hopefully, I don't want them to kick on, but I think he could, he will kick on. Um, and yeah, no, I'm going to stick with the 20 goals. Well, look, Connor, he, he is five in the Premier League at the minute. Um, and look, the, the boob of the week going to, to Leon Bailey. But in your opinion, Darwin or Bailey, who would you take as the boob of the week? Uh because just the circumstances and 90th minute took it around the keeper and just kicked it wide. At least, as Owen said, Nunez had a man on the line. But yeah, I think Bailey, yeah. And he cried at the end of the game and all. So it's definitely him. Yeah, fair enough. All right, lads, going to move it on to um, my fantasy pick of the week. I'm four from four, boys. Um, I'm sitting pretty here, still top of our, our fantasy league. Richie's looking, pick. Looking good, feeling good. Played my wild card for the upcoming game week as well. Mm. Um, got it's a few triple captain, week, triple captain this week too. You triple capped this week, did you? Yeah. I double game week. I did not. I already used my triple cap. Um, but I did use my wild card. Got a few transfers in there. But um, I'm going to pick a player who has um actually been performing very very well in recent weeks, and um I just think he is. At the start of the season, especially with how poor Liverpool were playing, you know, I I don't think he was worth putting in your team. But a consistent run of uh, performances, he's got a consistent run of assists, um, and I think this guy, um, in terms of fullbacks in the Premier League, is well worth having in your fantasy side. Joe Cancelo has disappointed a lot of people in recent weeks, including myself, which is why I yagoned to him. He was out with the wild card and I have got Trent Alexander-Arnold in and he is my fantasy pick of the week I think um, he is key to um, Liverpool's attack moving forward I know he's a little bit suspect defensively but if Liverpool can sort that back four out and he can keep clean sheets on top of the, the attacking performances that he offers I feel like Trent Alexander-Arnold is a good player to have in your team so if Trent Alexander-Arnold is the one that breaks my 100% record look out on Twitter and see my rant Regarding that, <laughs> Oren, oh, moving on. Players I already have my team, lad. I'm trying to make ground here, and you keep giving every Richie's <laughs> already my bloody team, lad. Well, I, look, I'm not here to help you guys win. I'm here to help our viewership pick up some points, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not picking people that are not in my team. <laughs> uh, Oren, moving on. Odie's opinion of the week. What have you got for us? Okay, um, so obviously it's the transfer window. Um, and there's obviously a lot of talk about Manchester United getting strikers um, and the most recent one and the most likely one at the minute is Wood Weghorst of Besiktas slash Burnley coming to Manchester United on a loan with the potential of staying a bit longer and my opinion of the week is that that transfer is going to be very very successful for Manchester United and uh, yeah that's about the height of it I think he'd be more successful than if Jay Felix was to come to Manchester United I couldn't agree more and I will tell you why I couldn't agree more last season in the Premier League Vudvaghorst put up the most pressures um, by any player per 90 
um, showing that he fits into that style of high pressing all action football that Eric Ten Hag is trying to create at Manchester United. Mm-hmm. Mike Horst has a number of attributes that would suit the way Manchester United play. He is excellent with his back to goal, his runs and his his timing of runs, especially when getting into the box are phenomenal. Yes, look, he made 20 appearances for Burnley last year and only scored two goals. But look, it, Burnley do not play good football and did not play good football um, under Sean Dyche. So I, I, it didn't really shock me that he didn't perform mm-hmm. all that well at Burnley. Um, one thing that I think um, is, is good about this transfer especially is, have you ever noticed, um, Connor and Owen, obviously because we watch Man United week in, week out, do you ever notice that um, whenever Erickson or uh, Bruno puts a ball into the box, or even Dallow, it always seems to, to hit the front post. Mm. Yeah. We, we don't really cross all that deep. And I, I watched a, a compilation of some of Egghorst's um, goals over the past few season, uh, seasons, and a lot of them have come from near post crosses. Um, and I feel like that's where he is going to be effective for us. Um, I really like this transfer. Um, I know a lot of people have mocked it on social media. Mm-hmm. That's fair enough. People can mock, but listen, 2002-2003, we had a Dutchman up front. Ruud van Nistelrooy won the league. Ten years later in 2012-13, we had a Dutchman up front, Robin van Persie. We won the league. And in 2022-2023, we will have a Dutchman up front in Voot Weghorst. And you can bet your ass we're going to win the league. Yes, you can, sir. You conveniently missed out one Dutchman you did have up front uh, not that long ago in Memphis to pay, I noticed, Richard. He wasn't up front. He was a winger at the time, my friend. Weird and that. he did not fall in that 10 year category. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm so fucking I'm only focusing on the 10 year category. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Weghorst, he's played very, very well for Besiktas. Obviously, we all see him in the World Cup. Uh, that, that tasty free kick against Argentina. Uh, we've seen his fairy nature against Lionel Messi too, which I think is is what we need at Manchester United. Um, but at Besiktas this season so far, he's 18 appearances, 9 goals and 4 assists. Um, and I know he's 30 and he's, he's played a, a lot more games than these players, but Weghorst has more goals in, his, in club football than any other current Manchester United player. So look, he knows where the goal is and he has 169 career club goals. So it's it's a no-risk transfer for Manchester United. Look, experience is so important. I feel like it's something that is so downplayed in the modern game. But look, yes, he's 30, but Casemiro's 30. And look at the experience and value that he has added to Manchester exactly. United. And by no means, before people jump on me, by no means am I comparing Casemiro's career to Wout <laughs> But in terms of experience and playing in some of the biggest yeah. leagues in the world, mm-hmm. um, I, I think there is something to be said about that. And especially considering how young um, our forwards are, I feel like having that 30-year-old, that guy that that has done quite a lot in, in, his, in his club career is important to get in. And I think because he fits the way Ten Hag plays, I trust, the man, I trust my manager um, yeah. when it comes to uh, transfers. Fully. Um, I think United's transfer business so far under Ten Hag has been very successful. And I trust that if this is the man that Eric Ten Hag wants, if he wants him over Joe Felix, well then, I think Voot Vaghorst is, is the man for Manchester United. To be and look, according to Fabrizio, we could also get uh, the aforementioned Memphis to pay back uh, towards the latter stages of January. Um, so if we get two forwards in, but Vaghorst is a right and out number nine, I think that's great, great business for Manchester United in January, considering the hand we've been down. 
Agreed. Been dealt. Yeah. Agreed. And he brings something different as well. Like definitely and can hold up the ball. We're missing that. Like even I think it was against Wolves and missed a few opportunities, crosses into the box. Um and as you said, he like people just think, Oh, he's six foot six. He's not gonna track, he's not gonna work hard. He does bring that and he brings goals. And I think it's like a no lose signing. And as we were saying, we trust Ten Hag, so if Ten Hag wants him, we need to get him. Definitely. So that's my opinion anyway. But White Weckhorst will be a more successful sign than if Joe Felix came to Manchester United. Look at not to, to play David's advocate or anything like that, but Oh here we go. You are a boo lad. A boo <laughs> yeah. negativity lad. You, here we go. There, lad. Right, well, sorry I'm not jumping off the scene about, about Weghorst signing for United. Um you jump off the scene about Joe signing for Celtic. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did you not see him against Argentina, lad? What a performance. Yeah, I did. And, um, but you should not feel this is kind of like another Egalo signing. Like, I'd like to see him do well. I like Veghorst. I like, as he scored goals in the Bundesliga, he's scoring goals this year in the Turkish League. But do you just not feel like United need to be going out and getting their Well, obviously, players? but we don't have the funds. We overspent in the summer when we signed Anthony for a hundred million. That was a hundred billion that was meant to be going into our January slash next summer budget, and we overspent. So we don't have the funds to buy the striker that we want. In the summer, we will have the funds to buy the striker that we want. But as a stopgap, out and out striker for six months who has international experience this season has played very well in his domestic league this season. I think it's a no brainer for Manchester United to sign him. Look, I hope he does well. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm not sold on him. Well, what are you expecting? Are you expecting United to go and sign Harry Kane now? Like, they can't. No, I don't, I'm expecting them to play, play player, younger players to build for the future. That's what I'm expecting United to do. Like, Who are you but, expecting them to be? I don't know. Not Who are you going to get as well? Or... You've gave that opinion that United need to go and get someone else. So who is it then? Having Ferguson from Brighton. <laughs> <laughs> With no money to spend in January, you know, Fuck. we're not going to be able to afford young <laughs> players. One of the richest clubs in the world. I know, but it's already come out that we're not going to be spending. We need loans on this. We're one of the richest clubs in the world, but our owners at the minute take all the funds out of the club. They haven't pumped any money into the club, so we're not one of the richest clubs in the world. We're the most in-debt club in the world, probably, apart from Barcelona. Any money Manchester United spend is solely from revenue made by the club's merchandising. Yeah, we, that's the only money we have to spend because our until owners, we get new owners, yeah, our our owners don't give us money. It's yeah. any money that we make ourselves is what we have to spend. And like in terms of, I seen the the statistics come out in November for net profit, and United had slipped down the list in terms of net profit. Man City are actually technically the most profitable club in the world at the minute. So. The funds just aren't there anymore until we get a new set of owners. So, look, I agree with you, Owen. I understand what you're saying. Yes, a club the caliber of Manchester United should be going out and buying an elite-level striker, but at the minute, it's just not possible. Fair enough. Obviously, I don't really follow your funds as much as you do, so that's fair enough. Okay, going to move it on then to our predictions, lads. (laughs) Technically, (laughs) there's... Fair enough, Phil. Way to back down, lad. Yeah, I know, my God. <laughs> Quick time, too. Lad, that was like two minutes, and you were like, oh, no, do you know what? I agree with you, lad. Lad, I'm not going to lie. See, as you said, who were going to say, and I could not think of one player. Yeah. Like, ah, yeah. <laughs> ah, shit, I fucked it. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the mud. <laughs> down bad, lad. 
All right, lads. Technically, there's still one game left of this game week because um, it was a double game week. Uh, Fulham versus Chelsea. Fulham at home. Who he's taken, Connor? Uh, I'll go Fulham, even though they're missing Mitrovic because he got suspended. Because I know that because of my fantasy. Yeah, he's let me down. Yeah. But I'll go Fulham. Let me down too. Let me down. Oren, Fulham or Chelsea? Uh, draw. Draw. McArdle? Uh, draw. I am also going to take a draw. Uh, on Friday night then, Villa at home to Leeds, Connor. Uh, Villa at home. Oren? Yeah, Villa win. Owen? I'm going to go a draw again. I am going to go Villa. Uh, first game on Saturday, Manchester Derby, Connor. United home to City. Who you got? Gotta go United, boys. This is a big big game and we're going to get a big result. Oren? Yeah, I agree. Owen? Yeah, you know I'm gonna go City, like, and you're all gonna go. Oh, he hates United. No, I don't. It's just Man City. I think's the better team. <laughs> oh, fair enough. I I'm actually gonna go draw. Um, I I, I just uh, it pains me to say it, but I just don't know if United have enough in the tank to beat City yet. I think we can beat Arsenal, to be honest, but I don't know if we have enough to beat City. So I'm gonna go draw. Um, Brighton at home to Liverpool, Connor. I'm gonna go draw. I'm gonna go draw. Orn. Brighton win. Brighton win. Ooh. Owen? Uh, I'm going to go Liverpool. Darwizzy Hattrick. Darwizzy Hattrick. Okay. Darwizzy, but that is if, he, if he plays like he played against Austin Pro Clubs last night, lad. Whoa. Brighton's in trouble, lad. Well, well, he plays like he did against Pro Clubs and lost Holland's golden boots in trouble. <laughs> I'm going to say Liverpool for the win, but the the Darwin Nunez Hattrick claim is ludicrous. So <laughs> I'm not having that. Um. Everton at home to Southampton, Connor. That's actually a tricky one because they're both playing so badly. Uh, I'll go with Everton. Everton's at home. Yeah. Oren? Mm, I think Southampton's going to win and Frank Lampard will be sacked. Oh. Owen? Uh, it's two bad teams. Uh, I'm going to go Southampton because I think they're slightly less in the mud than Everton at the moment, even though they are bottom of the table. Yeah, Southampton actually got a good cup win against Palace at the weekend, so I'm going to take Southampton. Uh, Forest at home to Leicester, Connor. Uh, I'll go for a draw. Draw. Yeah. Oren. Forest win. Forest win. Owen. Forest to win and no more Brandon. Forest to win and no more Brandon. God, two managerial seconds. Mm, can't say Leicester second them just because they don't have the funds to. Yeah, I'm actually I'm gonna go Leicester. Uh, Wolves at home to West Ham, Connor. Yeah, I'm going to go Wolves. I've been playing better and they should have beat Liverpool at Anfield, so I'm going to go Wolves. Fair enough. Orn? Yeah, I totally agree. Wolves. Wolves. Owen? Yeah, I can't see West Ham at the minute doing much the way Wolves are playing, so I'm going to go Wolves. Wolves win and David Moyes sacked. Three managers gone. What the hell? The job centre of a pack this weekend. Um, I'm going to say a draw in that game. Um, Brentford at home to Bournemouth, Connor. Yeah, Brentford, easy win. I was going to say Gary O'Neill sacked, but he won't be sacked. Brentford, easy win. <laughs> We're sacking uh, everybody this weekend. Everybody. If you lose a few games, you're sacked. Potter, get him out too. Um, Oren? Yeah, Brentford, Brentford win. Bournemouth? Brentford? Yeah, Brentford, Fair yeah. Fair enough. Owen, Brentford or Bournemouth? Uh, Brentford win and Thomas Frank sacked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i got to take Brentford as well. Don't know about Frank getting sacked, though. <laughs> uh, Chelsea at home to Crystal Palace then on Sunday, Connor. 
I'm going to go Chelsea to nick it because Palace have been very poor. Born? Uh, 2-2 draw. 2-2 draw. Mm-hmm. Majordal? Yeah, I think I score draw as well. Draw. I'm going to go Chelsea. Um, Newcastle at home to Fulham on Sunday then, Connor. This should be a good game actually because Fulham are playing well, but I'm going to go Newcastle 2-1. Yeah, Newcastle. Newcastle. Orn? I'm going to go with Shock and go Fulham win. Mitrovic is back against the club. Ooh. Could make for a tasty storyline, actually. Mm-hmm. Owen? Well, I swear I'm not copying it. I just happened to go on off the in the fucking order. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go a full and win as well. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm going to go Newcastle. And the final game of the match week, the North London Derby Spurs at home to Arsenal. Connor? I'm going to go score draw because Spurs have a good enough record against Arsenal at home. So I'm going to go score draw. Horn? Yeah, I agree. Draw. Draw, Owen. Uh, I'm gonna go Arsenal. Gonna go Arsenal. Um, if I say anything other in this house than a Spurs win <laughs> in the North London Derby, I am in trouble. So I am gonna go for a Spurs win. All right, lads. I think that'll wrap it up then for this episode. Um, Just to point out, Richie, I won the predictions last week. Oh, I, I know you did. I, I have everybody's tally. <laughs> Don't you worry. Yeah, we keep I'm, I'm keeping track of it. Don't worry. Oh yeah, keeping scores. I, well, I'm keeping scores. <laughs> Oh, I am not forfeit on this. I am keeping scores. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. And just remember, come the end of the season, if I win the predictions, the bottom bins is officially changing names to the Richie's Always Right podcast. Well, I don't remember that being in the contract. I just made it up. <laughs> <laughs> Look, um, obviously, um, everyone here at the bottom bins um, would like to express their, their deepest condolences to um, Pele and his, his family. Obviously, one of the greatest players of all time passed away. Uh, quite a sad day for football lads, isn't it? Yeah. And another sad day when Gianluca Vialli died as well. Yeah, absolutely. And a, a legend in the Premier League, a yeah. Chelsea legend as well. Um, so some tough news for football this week. Um like, like we say every week, thank you so much for your support. Uh, we really appreciate all the lessons um, and we appreciate all, all the feedback on the podcast. So thank you so much um, for your support. Uh, like we say every week as well, we are founding members um, on the, the new Parlay Sports app. That's P-R-L-Y Sports in the Apple App Store. You can jump on, create videos, get your immediate reaction to games. And as we pointed out last week, you know, there are some massive content creators um, on that app and these content creators are looking for people to come in and have conversations with them. So why don't you try your hand at it? You know, I know a lot of people that, that listen to us um, guys have said to me over the past few weeks that us starting the podcast has made them want to pick up a mic and start podcasting. And, you know, one thing I want to point out to these lads is obviously as content creators over here get a lot of stick obviously because of um, our accents and all that crack um and you know people in your local area you know sometimes don't like to see um people put themselves out there um in content creation and, and on social media but the one thing i would say lads is um people within um this town um have been so supportive and so nice um a lot of people that come up and speak to me that have listened to the podcast really enjoy it and um keep saying that you know to, to keep going and keep working hard at it so i just want to say a big thank you to everybody that has approached um myself and approached any of you lads um to, to give their honest feedback on the podcast like we we really really do appreciate it here and to be honest when it is your own local town 
you don't really know what way it's going to go down, don't you, not lads? Mm. No, that's it. Like, yeah, and it is always a big thing for for local lads to put themselves out there. Um, so credit to all of us boys. Uh, take pride in yourselves and uh, just know you're doing a good job. And um, look, as long as we're happy making the content, I'm sure the listeners are happy to listen to it. Um, so yeah, take pride in yourselves, lads. No, look, honest, honestly, it's it has been such a journey, and it's even though it has only been two months, things have just moved very rapidly for us, and um, it's it's something that we all love doing, and we love putting content out there for you guys, and we really do appreciate all the feedback and all the support that we've received. It it's been monumental to be honest. So thank you so much, and that'll do it for this week. As always, keep a bottom bins. Thank you, thank you, folks. Thanks. Thanks.